Shepard now off a nice knick-knack tap out the back. Trying to change the angle of attack here. And Bailey Williams trying to get involved. Darling's nudged out of it. Here comes Ryan. Ryan dives on the ground. That is awesome. Desperation. Oh, that is amazing. And the duck. He's dove in. He's got the duck. He's just got to dodge and dip and dive because here we go. This is all Liam Ryan. Jetta a perfect kick. Darling wants to play on quickly. He's got a man over the top. Some body work from Cole. He's coming up. Tom Cole's first goal oh, of his career. Cole has Tom snuck Cole. forward. Tom Cole, zero goals in, I think this is his 52nd game. I have been dreaming of this day. And two yeah. weeks ago against Carlton, or two or three weeks ago, he gave some up against Carlton. He gave one up against GWS and Hawthorne, he snuck forward. He refused to take the shot. He's going to have to take a shot here. We'll give Liam Ryan the credit that he deserves in just a moment. But can He doesn't Tom look extremely Cole... confident. Mate, how dare you? Have a look at this. Yeah. Bang! Tom Cole's first goal oh, of his career. And the boys get around him. Get around I have him, never mate. been happier in my short one-week broadcasting career. I have never been as happy as I am right now. Get around the boy. Look at him come from everywhere. Matera sets sail for home. And the Eagles hit the front. Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Subic great grab. Across the ground. Bam! In comes Donnie Wurzlaw. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. She needs to be in perfect the years. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2006-2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast. Another win in the bank for the Eagles. They just need to tick them off from here and they got the job done on the weekend against Essendon. Coming up on the show, we will recap that victory over the Bombers. We're talking a very disappointing AFL announcement regarding the grand final. And of course, we will look forward to this Sunday's matchup between the West Coast Eagles and the Western Bulldogs. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week on the show is Mr. KK. How are you going? Yeah, good to be back. I've lost total track of what day of the week it is or what round of football this is. Um, so help me out and we'll get through it. It's a nightmare, this. I mean, the Festival of Footy or whatever they're calling this new version of it, it seems good on paper, but it is properly doing my head in to try and keep track of who's yet to play and who's on a bye and who plays in three days and who has a week off. Anyway, we'll unpack it. We'll get through it. We're going to start on the Essendon game and we'll do so very shortly, KK, but just stick with me for now while I indulge in a quick plug of our podcast's adjacent product, and that is our live commentary. So, guys, thank you very much for listening against Essendon. We got a new uh, record, I suppose, a new high watermark for our listeners against Essendon. So obviously people came back for more and they might have told a friend, they might have invited some new people. So thank you very much. We are looking at doing it for the Dogs game. Not 100% locked in yet, but if it is locked in, we will shout it from the rooftops and make sure you get that link everywhere. So yep, any uh, feedback, welcome on the live commentary. It's commentary by Eagles fans, for Eagles fans, all bias all the time. You don't have to listen to Channel 7. We get the players' names right most of the time. We get pretty hyped about the goals as well. So give us a chance this Sunday and, uh, yeah, tune in, mute your TV, listen live. On with the show. West Coast Eagles, 9 goals, 6-60, defeated Essendon, 6 goals, 9-45. KK, this one, almost a tale of two halves or, or two sections, I suppose, because the Eagles toughed it out early. 
They got on top with this massive run in the second quarter, but then the game fell back into that pattern that we saw in the first quarter, which was, you know, a bit of an arm wrestle, a bit of a slog, and ultimately that quarter-time margin was pretty much where it stayed throughout the game. They did enough, but not particularly impressive on the day, although KK ultimately keep ticking them off, I suppose. What did you think of the Essendon victory? I think you summed it up well. It was a reasonably professional performance in the end. The the burst in the second quarter was our scintillating football that Essendon couldn't handle for that five or ten minutes, and that really ended up setting the whole game up. In the third and fourth quarter, we were a bit bit ropey. We had that really important goal from Liam Ryan right on three-quarter time siren, almost after the siren. If you take another couple of steps, that would have been quite embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that, then the fourth quarter, we, we really just tried to shut the game down, and I think it's clear in this bunch of, of games we're trying to get through games um, conserving energy and I, I thought we did that reasonably well in the end too we, we got a, a bit lucky with some of Eston's um, shooting on goal wasn't particularly good from them but they, we, we copped the other end of that the, the week before against Richmond so I'm not going to bemoan our good luck on that one uh, I think I might have said last week one of our, our best wins in the flag year in 2018 was when we beat Hawthorne at Eddie had and a similar two and a half goal lead in the last quarter and just completely shut the game down. And I thought we did that again pretty well on, on whatever night of the week that was. And as I say, the most important thing, we just got to keep ticking these wins off and um, and move forward. That's actually a very good comparison. It's not one I'd, I'd thought of uh, or, or sort of stacked up against where this fits in the scheme of, of 2018. But yeah, that was quite a professional game then. And, and on the weekend, we certainly, on the weekend, on Tuesday, we certainly did enough. It's funny, we've seen a lot of the other teams that we're competing with for this top four spot do enough to get over teams. They're not thrashing them. Richmond scraped past Fremantle. A few late goals blew that one out, but it was very, very tense. Uh, you know, we're, we're currently watching Brisbane at the moment probably do enough to get past the Pies, and they did the same last week. And, you know, Geelong did enough to get past the Dogs, who we'll circle back to at the end of the show. So no one's really starring. No one's really flexing the muscles at the moment. But the Eagles, like this top four, top five group, just keep ticking them off, do enough, and, and get through onto the next one. KK, you touched on the goal kicking. Let's start things with the ultimate goal kicker on our team. He's a secret weapon. We held him long enough just until we needed him. We were just keeping him quiet, keeping him off the scouting report. KK, Tom Cole has kicked a goal in the AFL for the West Coast Eagles when it matters on the road in a tight must-win game. What about Tom Cole? Very happy for, for Tommy Cole. He's, he's really stepped up this season and I think he got pushed a bit further up the ground on the weekend with the, the, the outs we had. Stuck forward nicely into the into the forward fifty, took a good mark, um, bodied his opponent out well, held it, juggled it, and then with all the pressure in the world, um, a lovely little dance out from the sideline, snap it around the body, straight through the middle, like a, like a seasoned forward that's been doing it for years. And yeah, very happy. We've had a good um, a good run of defenders kicking goals this season with, with Shep having two in a row, and it, it's great to see the reaction from the players when the defenders get forward. And, um, yeah, bringing on, maybe we get uh, Jackson Nelson on the goal-scoring sheet this weekend. <laughs> That's one to watch, definitely. Maybe Tom Barass on for the first goal of his career this week as well. Talking about the bloke that set up that goal for a moment, and he's the guy that we've seen lead the way in the forward line, a bit of an unlikely candidate in a way, and that's Liam Ryan. Four goals on the weekend, matched his career best. Three last week, he had another bag of three in that first hub, and, and he was keeping the scoreboard ticking over just enough in our first stint in Queensland. 
KK, Liam Ryan is proving to be one of our most important forwards, but also somewhat more versatile than I think many give him credit for because too often now we just sit him in the square and play him as our genuine lead-up. You are our main target in the forward line. Get in the square, run at the ball, take a mark, kick a goal. What what a great option that is to have for Liam Ryan. He has been a forward throughout his whole career and he's showing all these strings to his bow that we maybe didn't didn't appreciate I think you said in the call that he's a really difficult matchup when he is playing out of the goal square. That he's he's got the leap that he can. He, he's too good in the air for a, a small defender. Um, he's too quick and too agile for a, a tall defender. And yeah, we, we have sort of taken advantage of that mismatch in, in our forward line. And I think with the confidence he gets of having that responsibility, he's really grown into that. Um, the other thing that's been really good is his his kicking on goals been fantastic. Uh, that, that's, that's been a bit of a weakness at some points in the last couple of years, but he really seems to have, have sorted that out and, and he's got the confidence in those kicks. And, yeah, bring it on, he was absolutely fantastic on the weekend and uh, clearly our best on ground. Now, another bloke who had a fantastic game. It was one that was overdue, I suppose you could say, but certainly very, very welcome. And that was Shannon Hearn, because he really looked like the Shannon Hearn of old on Tuesday. And, he, you know, he's linking up in the play. Plenty of kicks, 17 kicks and just the three handballs. 12 marks, really heavily involved in the link up. Some switches, some nice driving kicks outside of 50. And also a really nice number of intercept marks going back under the flight as well. Shannon Hearn is... Back, maybe, but certainly he, he was back to his best on Tuesday. Equally, that group around him, Shepard, Duggan, McGovern came back and, and played really nicely after a tough week the week before. Barras did enough. That back line just looks so much more solid with Shannon Hearn down there, looking settled, looking comfortable, and looking back at his best. He's been slowly building over the last few weeks, but that really was yeah, back to his, his true form. He started the season absolutely terribly, and uh, we're all thinking, is this going to be going to be the end and it still might be his last season who knows but he, he was very good on the weekend and he is probably still like the leader of that that back line in terms of the the ex-captain and the most senior player there so the players kind of need the confidence of him playing well to spread that confidence throughout the back line and I think I think we saw that our, our defense is really the, the the rock of our our team at the moment and it's great to see Hearn back in the middle um, being a big part of that. KK, we talked last week about the Eagles have a real ease of getting into their game style against Essendon. They eclipsed 100 marks against them last year very, very comfortably uh, in both the games. Even in the shortened format now this year, 107 marks on the weekend, uh, a 2.08 to 1 kick-to-handball ratio which was way, way higher than last week where we logged that uh, we logged that season low against Richmond. It was about 1.16 or something. So they really improved on a game-style front. We were controlling the tempo. We were controlling the ball. But crucially with all of that, the disposal numbers do come down because we're taking a lot of time off the clock, playing slowly, playing on our terms. Let's have a look at the midfield because their output was down on the day. I think that's fair to say. Gaff had 23, Redden had 21 in terms of touches. But from there, you've got Hearn, Shepard, Duggan, McGovern, all of these sorts of guys. Rotham's up there. And then you look, Shuey, 15, obviously had the injury. Kelly, very quiet with 13. Sheed, 11. You know, you had some sort of pinch hitters in the midfield like O'Neill with 10. Uh, Hutchings had eight, probably doing a tagging job. But ultimately, you know, not a lot of ball being won by these guys that were getting the opportunities at the centre bounce. So do we read in too much into that? Is this a concern? The Eagles midfield starting to lose some players. Are they starting to lose some form as well? Oh, I think... Leave it as an off until other evidence. Uh, we were pretty poor about um, getting to contests. I thought all night that, that Essendon had the better of that. And it was really, 
they, they played a really poor game, Essendon, structurally. As you say, we were allowed to play our game far too easily. And when they had the ball, they weren't moving it in, in a way or with a speed that was causing any us any issues. But when there were contests to be won, it often did seem that we were outnumbered and we didn't do very well in the clearances. So I think that the mids were a bit down. But I'm going back to a previous point that we're trying to manage these games at the moment and just do what we need to do to to get through them. Um, so I'm not I'm not concerned yet, though they, they certainly going to have to um, step it up this week against a better midfield and with the absence of Shuey. Moving on in the show, we had a major piece of news come through this week. It was hinted at for a while. It was trending that way. But this week, it has been confirmed. The 2020 AFL Grand Final will be played at the Gabba. Now, KK, I'm going to open the floor to you on this one because I reckon I could go for an eternity on it. To me, it's just a horrendous call. And there's so, so many reasons. We'll unpack them shortly, but I'll give you the first crack at it. What do you make of this call? Where do you where do you sit on the whole thing? Should it have been in Perth? And basically, what is there to take away from the AFL saying, yep, the showpiece event, and we'll play it in Queensland? It was thoroughly unsurprising, but still ex- extremely disappointing. I'm absolutely sick of being pissed on by these blokes and told that it's raining. Um, if you talk about the, the criteria they went through to judge each bid, there is pretty much no criteria in which Queensland and the Gabba is better than Optus Stadium and Perth. The only thing you could say is like the logistics around the hard border and that, but it's a far inferior venue, local support. That's a joke. I mean, they're obviously trying to build Queensland support, but we're less than – we're about 15 years removed from Brisbane having four consecutive grand finals and three premierships. And if that isn't enough to to build a sustainable support base, then a one-off game that might not even involve a Queensland team is absolutely not going to do it. They've spurned the opportunity to have the perfect storm of a day or twilight grand final with a prime time night time slot in the eastern states. And there's no game of footy that is better at night. I don't care what you say. And you, Queensland is going to be even worse. And then we can move on to the, the media. Um, AFL media could probably fill the MCG by themselves. Uh, and no one has asked the question that you've asked about what is this? What are we doing financially in a season where the AFLs had to borrow five hundred million dollars against the Marvel Stadium? There's cuts across lists and coaches around the league, or they're forthcoming. There's second second tier competitions that have had to be cancelled. When I was asked the question, why are AFL not taking the best financial deal for the grand final this season? I've, I've maybe criticised them in the past for being too business focused, but this is the actual time where they need to do that. And they just said, no, we're going to ignore that. We're going to go take an easier option. There was an absolute vomit-inducing article by someone on the ABC about mentioned that they've chosen the heart over the head this season. Like, give me a f-ing spell. If you want to choose heart over head, give it to the states that have supported the game for 150-plus years, taxpayers that have spent enormous amounts of money in the last few years building facilities, building new stadium, only to have the AFL do a secret tender process and extend the MCG grand final for another 20 years and Queensland saved the AFL have they well WA has been saving the VFL AFL for 30 years our our the money that the Eagles and our fans pump into the league keeps it afloat and keeps clubs afloat and we get absolutely no um 
give no gratitude for that at all. And I've seen already in the last couple of days um, articles pushing for a permanent night grand final using the tagline, well, if the MCG isn't sacrosanct, then, then nothing's sacrosanct. We can we can play it at night. It's like, well, the MCG is sacrosanct. You've said that because you're going back there and you've even stuck another year on to the end of it because of the, the pain of missing a grand final for once in your, your goddamn life. But if I try and take a positive spin, then we could get some good outcomes out of this. Um, we could win a grand final. That would be bloody awesome. Uh, we could have Brisbane beat Richmond in a grand final and we could all spam the main board and be full saying, oh, no, the grand final, it's a neutral venue on grand final day. It's not a home game for Brisbane. Like we call every goddamn year. We could have GWS playing Port or Geelong in a grand final and it pisses down in rain and no one turns up and it's embarrassing for the AFL. Yeah, I think you said the same. I wish I didn't love the club so much that I could walk away and tell them to stick it up their ass. Um, the only reason it's it's worth sticking around is that it's just so much sweeter when we do fight all the um, all the crap that gets thrown at us and come out on top. Nicely put. Nicely put. There's a lot in there that I might you know sort of retread some ground, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tee off now. But yeah, let's start with that idea because I am here for the Eagles now. I am sick to death of the AFL. We always talk about. Vic bias, and obviously there's some people that don't think that exists. There's some people that do. I don't think you'll ever get people softening on that stance, so whatever. We're not going to get into that today, but for whatever number of reasons, I'm already sick of the AFL. Then they go and pull some shit like this. So until the Eagles fold or they form a breakaway league, which won't happen, but until those those you know situations happen, I'm stuck with the AFL. So whatever. But... Given that, given that we are, you know, I'm, I'm a paid-up member of an AFL club, I should have some semblance of a voice in this. So here we go. Let's, let's bloody do it. We'll start with the finance. Now, we've often criticised, as you said there, the AFL for putting finance ahead of integrity, but this is not an integrity issue. So if in a season where you're sacking people, lists are getting cut, the VFLW next year haven't been told if they're continuing. The NEAFL is folding. They don't exist. All the teams that play in the NEAFL that want to continue now have to move and play in, surprise, surprise, the VFL, and the NEAFL will cease to exist as of 2021. Sydney Stack today, by the way, and some other no-name from Richmond, they went out, they got on the beers, they went to a strip club, they had a bit of a punch-up at a kebab store, obviously broke quarantine and the hub situation. Richmond have been fined $100,000, and because of that, everybody in the media is accepting that that will cost somebody else their job. That is costing a Richmond coach or scout or staff member in some capacity their job, $100,000. And yet, you are telling me that the AFL is going to set fire to a pile of $30 million cash to play it at the Gabba, where the revenue estimates for the Gabba Grand Final is 10 to $12 million, and the revenue estimates at Optus, $40 million. So in a situation where one guy's dumb decision to go out and get a lap dance is costing somebody their job, and you're telling me that you're going to relocate the grand final and burn $30 million? Get stuff. That's just a shocking idea, and I hope everybody who loses their job next year has a fantastic grand final day because it'll be their last one in the AFL system. We'll move on to this Queensland saved the season narrative, which is bullshit. It is definitive bullshit. Queensland bent the knee to the AFL, and the AFL were you know, all too keen to take it up. How could you blame them? They did everything that the AFL wanted, so of course the AFL were going to take them up on that offer. But... Queensland didn't save a thing, and here's why. WA offered to host the entire AFL before this season started. When COVID was an issue, where there was the pause, there was the, you know, we were building up to a restart of the season, WA said, bring 18 clubs to us, sit on your butts for two weeks, and then play an entire season in WA. And the AFL said, no, we want to play in Victoria still. We want to get a normal season in. The AFL got greedy. They couldn't see the 
landscape that was coming their way. And then suddenly COVID spike. Oh, let's relocate to New South Wales. What's that? COVID spike in New South Wales. Let's relocate to Queensland. They were making policy on the run, as they always do. Queensland didn't save anything. They were just there when it was convenient. WA wouldn't bend to the AFL. And let's move on to that. Let's move on to that next point. WA were too difficult for the AFL to deal with. All right, fine. WA didn't do enough to, or didn't do, you know, whether you think it's enough, whether you think they should bend to sport. WA didn't do a lot to grease the wheels of this bid because they have made it difficult with their border policy, and I respect that. I don't think that your, your Premier or your, your government should sacrifice health for sport, but anyway, some people do, or some people think there's not enough risk. Fine. I will say, WA didn't do enough to help get the grand final. So play it in Adelaide. Play it at the Adelaide Oval, which is a better stadium, it's a better fan base. By the way, quietly, the team that's on top of the ladder is based in Adelaide, so there's every chance that you know you could finally actually have a fair home ground grand final for a change. But anyway, no. It's, it not being in WA has nothing to do with what we've done. It not being in WA has everything to do with the fact that Gill has gone, this could be my legacy. I could grow the game in Queensland better than anybody has before. I could get a foothold there. Because it's not about pissing off WA. If it was about that, stick it in Adelaide. This is purely about growing the game in Queensland. Fans... Give me a bloody spell. Essendon West Coast had 1,900 fans on Tuesday. Essendon West Coast in a preseason game, in a thunderstorm that they had to halt the game this year, had 4,500 fans at Laugh Lane. So it wasn't a nice day, no good weather, any of that. Preseason game didn't matter for shit and they had nearly four times the amount of fans. And don't give me any of this stuff about like, oh, they, they had to travel, oh, Brisbane, I have to go to Metricon sometimes, it's a bit different. Spare me. Because again, Frio Carlton in a preseason game, out in Mandra has more fans than any Gold Coast game this year, and they're their home game. So spare me that. There is no reason, KK, why they should have done this. And last but not least, we'll talk about this entitlement narrative that has gone around. Oh, WA think they're entitled to it. Oh, WA, it's so fun seeing them throw the toys out of the cot and whatever. Now, I'm sure this rant is absolute fuel to the fire to whoever from Victoria is listening. So g'day. I'm going to nip out after 8pm tonight, but I hope you enjoy this rant. This concept that ha-ha WA didn't get it proves definitively once and for all that they don't care about the grand final. The Victorians don't give a shit about this is the capital of sport, grand final, MCG, best stadium, best facilities, this is our thing. It's not about that. It's never been about grand final day. It's not about the day or the event. It's about the fact that it's theirs. And the grand final is now just this toy that they don't want to share and they're happy that nobody else can have it. So basically we've asked for it and Adelaide have asked for it and instead of giving it out, They don't want anyone to have the toy, so they've just snapped it over their knee. And I am through. I'm through with the AFL. I love this club too much to to fully leave, but I've stopped watching neutral footy nearly as much as I used to. I don't click on anything that they do. I used to watch AFL 360 every night, and I can't even stomach it anymore because it's just narrative after narrative and spin after spin. It might as well just be Gil himself just directly telling me what to think. I'm sick of it, KK. I've had a good rant. If you want any closing remarks on it, by all means, please take the floor back. Yeah, I'm not going to try and top that. That was um, <laughs> bloody fantastic. <laughs> ah, yeah, totally agree. Main event time for the week. It is round 16. I've checked, I've confirmed. It is round 16 this week. We play on Sunday. We last played on Tuesday and just so much water has gone under the bridge since then. But it is, in fact, Sunday, 10 past 4 p.m. WA time. West Coast Eagles play the Western Bulldogs at Metricon. Now, KK, we'll start with our ins and outs. But before we get to that, we'll hit up a quick weather report because there is a 90% chance of rain. The narrative is already that we don't play well in Queensland. There's the second narrative that we don't play well in the wet. 
And I would say this will affect our selection policy or it will certainly affect the way the game unfolds. Who's coming in, who's going out and how much does the weather weigh into those choices for you? Well, Simo's been I mean, quite helpful with his press conferences in terms of ins and outs. So um, obviously JK's coming back this week. He pretty much said that Jake Waterman was coming back in this week as well. Um, I like both those changes, even though it's, it's two tools in in the rain. Um I think we just play so much better when when Waterman's there. I'm not sure exactly what it is that he does that <laughs> that makes the difference, but um, he seems to fill a lot of roles really well. Uh, and then for outs, Shuey, I'm obviously out with the hamstring. That was pretty poor management by us in, in that game. Well, I'll give a shout out to Simo for actually putting his hand up today and saying that it was his fault, which it clearly isn't. He's not on the medical staff, but it's pretty good leadership to to take that and, and spare your um spare someone else from copping the blame. And my other out, I think I'm going to take Oscar Allen out. I I think Natanui is probably going to stay in for all the games now, and we saw signs of it against Essen, and they're going to try and just manage his minutes down and and give him a rest that way. And so it's going to be out of Allen or Williams that comes out. I think Williams is more of a ruck that can play forward as opposed to a forward that can go in the ruck. And with Nat Nui having less minutes, I think I'd like to have Williams as the backup and give Allen another game off. Um, he, he was a bit quiet last week and he's coming off that that knock the week before, so it might do him the good. So they might change Waterman and JK in uh, for Shuey and Allen. I could be persuaded in the weather to to take Waterman out and bring in another small, but there's just really no one beating the door down. We're looking at Ainsworth or Cameron, who was badly out of form, so I can't really make a case for either of those two. Yeah, I'm going to pretty much echo those changes. I think possibly there's a chance that Nick Nat will have a rest. You mentioned Simo's presser before. Last week he was very forthright in saying, yes, it's a condensed schedule, yes, it's a short turnaround, but Nick Nat will play. Um, this week we did get a question and a bit of a discussion around him, but that, yes, he will play, didn't materialise. So I'm thinking maybe they'll give Nick Nat a rest this week. If they keep him in, for me, I will take out uh, Bailey Williams, unfortunately, just given the conditions, uh, given I think Nick Nat and Allen can do a good job. And we'll, we'll get onto those Western Bulldogs Ruckman in a minute because it's not a uh, particularly frightening group when you look at it on paper. So for me, Kennedy and Waterman in, Shuey out injured and Bailey Williams out uh, we'll reshuffle some magnets there. Allen can play some backup ruck. Waterman can go onto the flank. Hutchings can move up. Maybe O'Neill can move up. But yeah, just two ins and two outs for me this week. Let's actually I'll tell you what. We'll start on that ruck conversation because it's a big thorn in the side of the dogs. They've struggled to get any sort of consistency this year. They'll go, you know, two wins and a couple of losses, a couple of wins. They've ne- not really put together the big run. And KK, a lot of it stems from the fact that they're just not getting first use of the ball. They've lost the hitouts now, an AFL record 30 consecutive games. That's the most ever. They're obviously last in the comp in uh, the hitout numbers as well. Nick Nat was decently held last week, although he did only play about 55% of the game. So maybe they're trying to get him some rest on the fly and maybe we can really see him unleashed this week. What do you make of that Western Bulldogs ruck division? It's pretty thin on the ground, isn't it? Um, Tim English averages about... 15 hit-outs a game, and second on the list is Josh Bruce, who hasn't even had that many for the entire season. So um, it's an area that we should dominate even more than we normally do, and I think for that reason, that's why I want to keep Natanui in. We're going in without Shuey, and they've got a really strong midfield. Um, I don't want to then give them a, an even battle in the ruck. I think oh, I want to have Natanui in there dominating because, um, say, it is their weakness. I think English will probably be a good player in the future, but it's just 
he's still learning the game. And, uh, yeah, we, we've got to win that battle while we can because <clears throat> their, their mids are, are very strong. And if they're, if they're breaking even in the ruck, then I think they're going to cause some problems. Let's do a bit of a statistical breakdown now. We'll look at the profiles of both teams. The Eagles, obviously, we're very familiar with this. First in marks, second in kicks, uh, really nice in the clearance numbers, third there, second in hit out. So it's the Nat Nui factor, and then once the ball comes out into open play, we try and set up our kick mark game style. We know that. 16th in handballs, 13th in disposals, 17th in tackles. So, you know, it's not that congested in and under game style. It's not run and gun like we've seen in the last few weeks. But KK, that is what's on the menu for us this week because you look at the dogs, second in handballs, third in disposals, and they rank in the bottom three for kicking and marking. So they're going to go fast. It's going to be a slick day as well. How much do you think the practice of these last few weeks playing against those sorts of teams is going to factor in on Sunday? It will help for sure. And we did a really good job of of slowing Essendon down in a way that we weren't able to do with Richmond. Uh, And part of that's just because Richmond are flat out better team and they're, they're better drilled and with the structures and the way they, their players work with each other. Um, I'm ranking the Bulldogs sort of closer to the Essendon side, so I think we'll be able to handle that. But it is something to be aware of. It, but say we know how they're going to play and in the wet it's it's probably actually going to be the most effective way to play. So we're going to really have no choice but to, to, to take them on, take them on head to head in that in that same method and just fall forward. Um with the team we've got, uh, so we, we've got a lot of moving parts and guys playing a, a bit out of position, which is great for flexibility down the track. And I like the fact it's going to push, allow us to push um, Duggan or Cole or Nelson, one of those, further up the ground because I think they'll be be really important for that that ground ball game in the middle of the ground, and that's uh, that's where we're going to have to win um, those ground ball contested possessions and um, get the ball going on our terms. Now we'll go through a few matchups here and let's start with this tagging concept because we've seen Hutchings return to the side. He did a nice job on Lambert against Richmond uh, and last week he was sort of thrown around a little bit. He started on Saad then he moved around a little bit, I think to your guy uh, Ridley that you mentioned last week as well. So not an out-and-out tagging role from Hutchings that I could see live, although, you know, maybe the maybe the coach's footage will show more than that. But anyway, there are a few options that we can unleash Mark Hutchings on this week if we would like to do that. The Dogs have the big-bodied star in, in Bontempelli where we'd normally set yo on him, but obviously that is not on the table this week. They've got a couple of really nice outside players. They've got some rebounding defenders as well. So, KK, is there someone you would like to see Hutchings spend his time on this week and really try and tag them out of the game? Yeah, the Bulldogs don't kick the ball much, but um, Bailey Williams off the half-back line is their, their leading. Um, he leads them in kicks, marks, and rebound 50s. Battle of the Baileys. Uh, Battle of the Bailey Williams is, yeah. I found it amusing that and we've got Bailey J. Williams like we've got Josh J. Kennedy. So, yeah, my Simpsons humour coming through there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think he seems a pretty obvious matchup. Size-wise, he's, he's pretty close to what's what Hutchings would um would stand out as well, so that that would probably be uh, where, the way I would go with a tagging job. You say the Bulldogs don't kick the ball that much, and if you could shut down their their main kicking option, then that's going to hamper their their ball movement even more. And yeah, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a grinded out game if we can win the territory battle by uh, not allowing them to get good clearing kicks out of defence. Then that's going to help us 
uh, win the game. Now, in the forward line for the Dogs, it's a bit of a mixed bag because on paper it looks like a team that has guys that would uh, create a few match-up problems for teams. They've got the tools in Bruce and they can swing English forward. You know, they've got Norton down there. And similarly, they've got some nice mid-sized or smaller guys as well. Uh, Mitch Wallace leading them for goals, who I think Shep will probably spend some time on this week. And yet it's not quite clicking. They're they're not a particularly high-scoring team. They certainly haven't been in the last couple of weeks. We've seen them, you know, even last week, they started up six goals to nothing against the Cats and then they really, really struggled to score for the rest of the game. They just kicked three goals in the final three quarters of that one. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. You're not really sure what you're going to get, though you do need to be switched on to the Dogs. What are you expecting out of our backline matchups versus their forward line? How do you think that, that you know, half of the field is going to play out? Oh, I feel we've got them covered for talls. Yeah, McGovern and Barass are, uh, are better than who they've got forward. I mean, Josh Bruce could be good on his day, but he's pretty hit and miss. He kind of sums up the Bulldogs. Yeah, they are a very inconsistent team. They've got a 7-7 win loss and a percentage of 100.11. So they are dead They are dead average, but it's not like they play average every game. They're very good or very bad, and often within games as well. Um, back to the question, yeah, our defence has been, been rock solid. Um, Mitch Wallace has had a pretty good year as a permanent forward. So I'd, I'd probably sort of shepherd be the matchup for him. He seems to he, – he's our best defender against that, that small or mid-sized forward from the opposition. Um, so I think if we can shut him down, our toll should have them covered. And, yeah, the rest will sort of pick up the slack and then rely on our structures as much as anything. Now, the area of the field that I think I'm conceptually the most concerned about this week, and a lot of it is to do with the weather, is our forward line. Because with Kennedy back in, Darling's you know really rounding into some nice form. Ryan is absolutely flying at the moment. Alan, we've seen what he can do. You know, even Archie had a really, really nice game at ground level on the weekend. So conceptually, that's a great forward line, and that should be potent enough to score against the Dogs. Once the rain comes in, though, I'm starting to wonder, can we find the targets? Can we get those marks out on the lead? Do we have enough at ground level? Do we have enough creative crummers? We saw Jetta come into the side last week, and he was almost there. You know, he, he missed a lot of his shots, but he was getting some nice crumbing shots. So is there any concern for you that if we go in quite tall, that forward line might not click? It's always a, a concern in the weather. Um, though I, I tend to think we struggle more in the midfield when it's wet than we do up forward. And... Yeah, I think we can push push Jetta forward. He's he's pretty handy in the wet. Um, Ryan and, Ar- and Archie at ground level, and Hutchings will be around there as well. So I, I'm not I'm not too concerned. We might just end up scoring goals in in different ways, and we probably won't need to score that many goals to to win the game win the game anyway. I mean, I mean Darlene and Kennedy aren't, aren't terrible in the wet. They they, they can they can still uh, clunk the marks. So I think it's it's just the midfield where we, we kind of struggle to get that that clean possession going inside fifty. But if we can if we can tidy that up and actually get some decent entries, then I'll, I'll back Darling and Kennedy to take their share of marks even in poor conditions. All right, I will open this one up to you now. You can lead the way on the tips. Who is going to win on Sunday? By how much are they going to win? And which eagle is going to impress us the most? I'm going to go the, a low score mainly because of the conditions. Uh, so I, we will beat the dogs. We will beat them by two straight goals, 12 points. So they'll probably end up being one goal six or something like that. Um, <laughs> We had peek behind the curtain pre-discussion. I said I was going to pick Darling for our best on ground. I'm actually going to switch that to, to Dom Sheed. I think um, with Shui out, we had a few guys that were down and some people that are going to have to step up their responsibility. And, and Sheed's shown that he could do that in the past. 
and he's pretty pretty good in the in the wet as well. So I'm I'm going to go with Dom Sheaf to be our our best on ground and and step up in Chewy's absence. I like that you switched yours up because the more we've been talking about the dogs, I've also switched mine up and I've also gone with a midfielder. The Eagles are going to win. Uh, I also have them here as 12, so I'm going to bump it up to 13 just so I can take any score over that. So the Eagles will win by 13 for me. You look at their games, the dogs this is, their games against uh, the Lions, you know, they lost by 24. The Cats, they lost by 11. The Power, they lost by 13. So they're roundabout there. They're not far off, but they just fade in and out of games. They'll, they will be fresh, so it's not going to be a walkover. The conditions are a concern, but no Easton Wood for the Dogs, who injured himself last time out. I think they'll struggle to replace what he gives them. And Jack Redden, in the conditions, in a state that he's played in a lot before, he was really nice at ground level on, on Tuesday. He's going to repeat it on Sunday. So the West Coast Eagles win by 13. Jack Redden, best on ground. All right, guys, that will do it from us this week. KK, back again. It's uh, been a tight turnaround between between drinks on this one, but thank you very much again for you know clearing your schedule, spending some time with us, and sharing your insight. Thank you. No worries. It was it was worth it to get the uh, the first listening of that epic grand final rant you you had. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to be here for that. That was off the dome. That was not prepared. That, imagine if I wrote some points down. Like I could sit and write. I reckon, you know, if I'm if I'm ever sad enough in the off season, maybe I will. But I could I could write an essay on this and just really go for it because that was that was just off the top. So anyway, hope uh, hope the listeners got a bit out of it as well. Uh, yeah, guys, thank you very much for listening to this one. Thank you to everybody who's listening to the commentary as well over the last couple of games. It's really nice to see a lot of people there in the chat. We're getting feedback on Twitter and Facebook. It's really really positive and, and it's good to see. I, and hopefully. People have had enough of Channel 7, they've had enough of Foxtel, and they might be considering an alternative. So if you're interested in the commentary, we will most likely see you Sunday, but we'll let you know on that one. Check WCEBF Pod on Twitter for the links for that one and Facebook as well. Other than that, guys, we will continue to churn out the pods in between these games. They're coming thick and fast now, and hopefully the wins are coming thick and fast for the Eagles as well, because three more will see us in the top four. We'll talk to you next week, guys. We'll recap the Dogs' victory. We'll look forward to a massive clash against the Saints. And we will be talking all things West Coast Eagles pretty much this time next week. So we'll see you there. Bye now.